Hey everyone, welcome to the PC Perspective Podcast. This is episode 547 being recorded on Wednesday, June 19th, 2019. I'm Jim Tannis. I'm Jeremy Hellstrom. I'm Josh Walrath. I'm Sebastian Peek. And we're glad you could join us this evening. Uh, we record the shows live Wednesdays normally at 10 p.m. Eastern. That works out to about uh, 2 a.m. UTC Thursday morning. And you can join us at PCPro.com slash live, where we have the embedded YouTube and uh, uh, YouTube chat and video. And uh, to not- be notified when we go live so you can join us, uh, we send out an email about an hour or so before our live shows. And that mailing list is at PCPro.com slash subscribe. It's not a marketing thing. It's We don't use it for anything other than to notify you of our live events. Uh, so feel free to join us there. And, of course, uh, if you want to support us here at uh, PCPer, you can join us over at patreon.com slash PCPer, uh, where uh, you can make a monthly contribution that helps us out. And we, we do the, uh, the little thing, a tradition. If you've been watching for a, for a long time, you'll remember the tradition is if you become a new patron during the show or increase your pledge during the show, uh, edit your name field. And before you make your pledge, I'll get an email and we will read your name or whatever you put in that name field live on the air. So it's a good way to either uh, just, just show your support or, or have a laugh at our expense by putting something embarrassing in there. And of course, if you want to get your hands on some PC Pro merchandise and who wouldn't, head over to joshtech.com. That's J-O-S-H-T-E-K-K.com, which is our Teespring store where you can get a, uh, a T-shirt, a mug, a poster, uh, with our logo on it, you get something cool, we get a little cut, and it really helps us out. So we'd appreciate if you uh, check that out there. But let's dive into the show. Uh, last week was a uh, a bit of a lengthy episode. I think we the raw video was about three hours. Uh, we cut it down to about two hours and 20 minutes, I think, for the final edited version. Uh, so quite a show. Let's, That's uh, great. Let's- how did, how did you guys do that? I mean, did did you have like gallon, empty gallon milk containers underneath you that you just kind of got forward in your seat? Play it where it lies. Yeah, there was chafing. Mm, yeah, but uh, uh, we appreciate those who stuck with the live show last week and uh, will hopefully not be anywhere near as long uh, just because of the shorter week this week and, and just less exciting things to talk about. But Let's jump in. Uh, first off, we've got a, a sort of a review. Intel, uh, they announced it, I think, at the end of, or around Computex time, I think, when they announced this. But they ended up releasing uh, a, a a tool, a, an overclocking tool called the Intel Performance Maximizer. And this is a one-click, and I literally mean that one-click overclocking tool, sort of like what you'll get in motherboards, like uh, the AI Suite, I think is what they call it for Asus motherboards. Uh, I can't recall the exact names, but Asus, Gigabyte, ASRock, uh, MSI, they, they generally have these these tools that, uh, that sort of do an automatic overclocking. And the way it works is it will detect your processor, detect your system configuration, boost the voltage and frequency up one notch, test for stability. If it works, go up another notch, test for stability, and so on until they hit uh, uh, instability, and then bring it back down, and, and that's your overclock. And and this does something similar. Uh, the benefit is that those other tools generally, I don't know if you guys have had any experience with them, but in my experience, they generally don't do a very good job uh, with overclocking. You do get an overclock, but the voltage is usually much higher than it needs to be, or they don't reach the frequencies that you, you normally could. 
Uh, with this one, uh, as we'll see, I tested it, and it's actually pretty conservative on what you end up with voltage. Uh, but let's kind of just lo- go over basically what this is again. It's a free tool. The biggest downside to it is that it's only available currently on a very select few ninth gen desktop core processors. So it's the 9900K, 9700K, and 9600K, and as well as their KF variants, which are the versions without integrated graphics. So three, you know, three processors, technically six if you count the non-graphics versions. So not a huge uh, market or a huge audience for somebody who can take advantage of this. Uh, you also have to have the Z390 chipset. So as you can use these processors on Z370 in most cases, uh, but that won't work. It has to be Z390. You have to have eight gigs of RAM and you have to have 16 gigs of storage on an internal volume because it creates a uh, Linux-based partition where it runs the test so that you're not loaded into the Windows environment while it's doing this stuff. But you grab the file, you download it. There's some other stuff. You kind of want to set your motherboard to like the default settings because if you have any other automatic overclocking or boosting going on, it'll interfere with, uh, with the test, including in our case, using the XMP profile for your memory that caused a crash. I don't know if that's going to be universal. Uh, we tested it on a 9900K with a gigabyte Z390 Aorus Master. And in that case, the XMP profile on the Corsair memory screwed it up. So you basically want to set everything back to default settings in terms of like overclocking related stuff. And then you download the app and you get this this little window. And, you know, it's a little disclaimer about, uh, you know, this could cause instability and all that. So you accept that. Uh, you create your partition on the drive of your choice. And then you press continue and it reboots and runs the testing. And it can take up to an hour or so, depending on your system configuration, your cooling and all that. But eventually you boot back into Windows when it's done. Hopefully it succeeded and it shows you what it did. And so for us, again, on our 9900K, which is a retail version of that processor, it went from an all-core boost of 4.7 to an all-core boost of 4.9, which is pretty good for a 9900K. I've been able to manually get this processor up to five, but at a little bit higher voltage. And it did that 4.9 at 1.293 volts. So again, pretty good on the voltage, especially compared to other one-click overclock tools. There's also another component to this, which is the Intel Performance Tuning Protection Plan. Now this isn't new. This is something that Intel has offered before, but the pricing has been higher and they've lowered the price and sort of reinvigorated it, I guess, by adding it into this tool or, or associating it with this tool. So now going forward, if you really want to make sure that you're not going to risk over or risk damaging your processor with an overclock, you can buy this sort of warranty, this protection plan from Intel. It's $19.99 for any of the supported processors, and it gives you a one-time replacement for damaging the processor due to overclocking, or as Intel puts it, quote, operating the eligible processor outside of Intel's published specifications. So if you combine something like this with the tool, you're pretty much guaranteed that even if something goes wrong, Intel's going to cover you to replace that processor. And that's particularly valuable on like a $500 9900K, for example. Not for everyone. If you're an experienced overclocker, I certainly don't recommend you, you get this. But if you're new to this or if you're doing this for somebody else, you're building a system for somebody, they want that extra protection. You know, hey, it's something... It's, it's not bad in terms of the price for, for what you get in terms of uh, protection there. I tested Can you get this. that for the replacement processor? Uh, no. So it's, it's a one-time replacement, yeah, and so. then it doesn't, like a lot of warranties, it won't continue on to, the, to what you get as a replacement. And you can't buy it again for 20 bucks. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. 
so I tested the the effectiveness of this, ran some benchmarks, and I tested stock, IPM, Intel Performance Maximizer, and a manual overclock. And in order to keep the voltages somewhat similar and, and somewhat in a safe range for kind of like long-term 24-7 use, I went to 4.9 at 1.236 volts. But the difference is, this is like a lot of these tools, this is specifically processor. This isn't going to overclock your memory. It's not going to touch your graphics card. It's not going to touch your cooling. It's a, a very focused on just your processor. And so if you are a newbie or you know, a novice, first-time builder, and you boot the PC up and you run this, that's what I simulated. So the RAM stayed at the default, even though it was 3200 megahertz RAM, it stayed at the default 2133 setting based on the this Z390 board. That's how it would run it if you installed it and loaded default settings. I don't recommend anyone do that, but again, this is a tool sort of for novices, and so that's probably a situation they'd find themselves in. So that's the stock setting. With the tool, with the IPM run, it's still keeping that 2133 for the memory, but it does boost that processor to 4.9. And then with the manual overclock, it's still at 4.9, slightly lower voltage, and with the XMP profile enabled, so at 3200. And as you'd expect, it's faster. You know, the IPM gets you faster than stock. The manual overclock in most tests goes a little bit higher, but it's not as big of a difference as I would have thought. And it doesn't have those downsides, like I said, for some of the other tools, uh, those one-click tools you get with motherboards where the voltage is too high. Uh, you know, I, I think the last time I ran the Asus AI suite, it had my voltage at like 3.8 volts, and, or I'm sorry, 1.38 volts. And that just wasn't something I'd be comfortable with running an overclock 24-7, uh, especially on something like an air cooler. So, you know, not bad. It's, if, you, if you're comfortable doing manual overclocking, I'd absolutely recommend going that route and you could probably get better than this. I try to do something very basic, something I would simulate what a novice would kind of do after a few minutes of Googling what they could find, but it, you're going to get uh, a pretty decent result with this one click overclocking tool and it's free as long as you have a compatible processor. So uh, I don't know. What do you, what do you guys think about this? It's, you know, you're, if you really want to get into overclocking, you're you're going to get into overclocking. You're going to look into heavier duty cooling. You're going to look into you know what the guys do with the LN too. I mean, you're not going to probably do it yourself, but you're curious what they do and, and how they get to that point. And with this, it's it's you know it's looks like it's one of those one touch overclocking that yeah, as, as Jim mentioned, doesn't yank up your 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 V core way high just to get a couple hundred megahertz, and you know ASUS and MSI are praying that your CPU stays stable even though it's going to get super hot. Um, so it's it's a nice kind of in between thing, and I think that the warranty for twenty bucks is is interesting. I don't know if it's going to be widely used, but. You know, maybe one of those LN2 guys who's really going for something is like, I'm going to buy the optimizer and the $20, and this way I get a replacement. <laughs> yeah, from Smart. what I've seen, there's there's no limits on what would happen in that situation. Uh, I don't think that that would be a prohibited claim if they wanted to make that. So we'll see. Yeah, I don't no. know. It just delitted itself. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was just weird, man. Yep. Now, now, of course, I, I, he... Oh, I'm sorry. Go, go ahead, Sebastian. I have a follow-up question, Jim. Uh, you said that it defaults to, like, whatever the memory defaults to on the motherboard. So 2133, even if it's, like, an XMP3200 DDR set. Yes. 
Is this Intel saying memory speeds don't matter? Which is kind of funny because recent literature published by them indicated, you know, memory performance in gaming being an advantage for Intel. Yet their own overclocking tool ignores memory speed entirely, makes it default to whatever, uh, you know, SPD has loaded, and then only overclocks the CPU. Your thoughts? uh, Let me clarify. So um, it, it doesn't default the memory. It doesn't touch the memory. That's that's the difference. It is focused entirely. You said on XMP processing. screwed it up, right? XMP didn't work. So in my case, having the XMP profile enabled before running the testing, mm. which automatically sets it, caused it to fail. I defaulted to the regular profile, or you know, load okay. load optimized defaults. Okay. Then it worked, but then I could go back in, and after it was set, and turn XMP on, and that oh, worked. All right. but, but you could also have manually overclocked the memory too, right? Yes, right. Okay. They should get in touch with the people that designed XMP and see if they can figure that out. <laughs> right, yeah. You know, I mean... <laughs> the call is coming uh, from inside the house. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it's... Right, I'm lazy, but I've got good intentions. So I could see this being good because I can click it, walk away, come back, you know, as you say, up to an hour later, write down what my values are and say, okay, so one day when I am going to actually get around to manually overclocking this thing, because I find some spare time and energy, at least I've got a starting point to push off of, or much more likely I'll just continue to run it at that in perpetuity. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's, and that's what a lot of people recommend, you know, prior to this coming out, a lot of people recommended in terms of these other tools from like motherboard manufacturers saying, use it as a starting point. But even then, if you if you weren't comfortable enough to get in there and tweak the voltage or know what that meant or how to mm. do that, I, I still wouldn't recommend that because if you end up leaving those voltages, they're probably going to be – it may not be dangerously high, but it's higher than you need for the frequency you end up with. And that's just going to increase your temps and lower the life of the processor. Mm. So of the tools that are out there that do this kind of stuff, this one I think is the best, but only if you have one of those compatible processors. That's, again, the yeah. the big limiting factor. There's – there's not a lot of people out there running these six processors just because they're so relatively new. Uh, but, you know, it, it is what it is. And, uh, of course, cue the uh, obvious comment, which will occur, which is, of course, they had to release an overclocking tool because their speculative execution patches cut the performance. So now they need something to make up for some of that difference. But, you know, it's good to see. It's uh, it's good to have as an option. It's totally free. You don't need to use it. And if you do want to get more into something and you want a little bit more control and you're not comfortable going through BIOS, you know, they've got the extreme tuning utility, which they've had for years now, uh, which is the, the full-on control where you get to tweak all the different, uh, or at least most of the settings related to overclocking in a nice, uh, nice GUI inside of Windows. So would you overclock, Jim? I mean, daily stuff, do you, would you find... The advantages of having a slightly overclocked processor worth your time. Uh, yes, um, I mean I, I think every system I run is overclocked to some degree because recent processors have been amenable to that, or you know, the, it's it's easy to overclock. And even if it's just kind of gut bumping up the multiplier a little bit and just just seeing where you get, um, so it's 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 free performance. And sometimes it's only single digit percentages. In some cases, it's as much as 10 or 15%. And it's it, depending on as long as you have adequate cooling and you're not super concerned about noise. Uh, 
it's it's something I do on on pretty much every system, and Jim, I probably be, wouldn't use this. Go ahead. I was just sorry for interrupting. Will you be sorry. use Will you be overclocking your 2019 Mac Pro system this fall? Uh, I don't believe I'll be allowed to, but if I were, <clears throat> if I were allowed okay. to, you got a soldering well, you can, iron. You can you can do things. I I really hope that somebody comes out with a knockoff case that looks just like it, so that we can do a little project and make our own ridiculous overclock system for about half the cost. I already have one. It's in the kitchen drawer. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah that would be kind of funny, yeah, actually. Yeah, I think yeah. I don't want to give away the story, but I think I just came up with something like involving zip ties, a cheese grater, and an open frame case. We'll just make one ourselves. I need about $40, and I'm going to go to Bed Bath & Beyond tomorrow. Uh, expenses approved. Excellent. All right, so check out the Intel Performance Maximizer. The links are in the story. Uh, you can search for it, I'm sure. Intel's got a page set up. Um, there are separate downloads, at least currently, depending on your processor. So there's a separate download for the 95 and 9600K and the 9900K. So just grab the grab the one that works for you and, you know, check it out. See, see, what, uh, see what works for you. Let's continue on. And there was one other thing. Uh, we don't have an article written for it, but it's a topic that I wanted to discuss last week that I forgot about because we had so much stuff, but it's something that's worth noting. And it sort of ties into the notion of keeping expectations in check, because I think we're all very excited about uh, all this Ryzen stuff coming out. Uh, it is on paper, incredibly impressive. Uh, I'm, I'm not suggesting that it's not going to live up to it, but the point is this is a company that we have to, like any other company has to prove that they can ship in volume and that the performance is going to be there. And also, you know, and there's some rumors about X570 being behind schedule or noisy or, or whatever. But anyway, looking at back at AMD's demo when they showed the, uh, the performance, one of their demos, one of their comparisons was showing a 9900K versus a Ryzen 9 3900K. So an 8-core Intel part versus the 12-core uh, uh, counterpart. And if I can see the video or switch over to the YouTube here, they had a, a demo where they were showing them gaming side by side and saying, oh, they're pretty good, you know, about pretty comparable. That's pretty good gaming performance for a 12-core part. And it is. But then they said, let's turn on OBS and let's start streaming this game while you play it. And, of course, the Intel part um, slowed to a, fr- a, a slideshow. It's, uh, it's still, if you're watching the video here, it's still... Larrabee, are you with us again? <laughs> right. And, uh, and they were, you know, obviously, AMD was very happy about this, you know, how, how, how drastic the change was. But this is something, in, and I, I think we're absolutely not the, the only ones to, to be concerned about this. I know Steve over at Gamers Nexus has been throwing a fit about this all week, but... The, the point is, and we'll look at the charts here. I'll pause the video so you can see. They say the Intel part goes to 1.6 frames per second while you start streaming, while the AMD part continues on. No problem. The problem is that's a scenario that's never going to happen. No one who buys this class of hardware and is going to stream is not going to use a ex- hardware-accelerated encoding for their streamer. They're going to have an NVIDIA GPU in there, with NVENC running, or they're going to have an AMD GPU now that that's supported there, or they're going to be using QuickSync if they can never work out the drivers with OBS, you know, at some point. There, there's going to be a solution there. So obviously, AMD is, is going to show 
their product in the best light. Intel has done similar things in the past by framing arguments in ways that aren't realistic necessarily. But this was something that was particularly strange because it's just a, it's just a, a situation that's just never, it's just, I, I, there's nowhere anyone's going to buy a processor, a $750 processor or in, in the 9900Ks, 9900Ks, I'm sorry, a $500 processor, or in the case of the 9900K as well, a $500 processor. They're not going to buy that level of hardware, that class of hardware, and be streaming and not have some other option to encode the video. So that's, that's you know, one of those, okay, it's great. They got a big applause. It is a drastic difference. If you do find yourself in this situation, my God, of course, buy the AMD part. But really, is there anyone out there who was going to be there? So this was something I, I tended to point this out last week. Um, and and uh, several, you know, several people, it's not just us, are uh, calling out AMD for this particularly egregious example. Yeah, but. it's it's, you know, it's it's useful knowledge to know of where the limits are of, of certain processors and what yours can do at the similar price point, you know, with, with software that's actually available and people can utilize that if they choose to. I mean, obviously most people will not choose to do the ultra slow setting. I can't remember, you know, slow something, whatever they call it in OBS. <clears throat> but I mean, it's still, it's still something that's, that's selectable. Someone, if they choose to do it, can do it. They probably won't, but it's there. And so I'm not trying to excuse AMD, but I mean, they, they went well out of their way to find a use case scenario that had such a massive difference in performance because this 8-thread unit just simply couldn't compete with a 12-thread or, or oh no, it was, uh, what, 16 versus 24? I can't remember what. This particular one was 12 on the AMD <clears throat> side versus 8 on the Intel side. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's, you know, you you need to take it with a grain of salt because, yeah, the average streamer who's playing World of Warships is not going to be utilizing that that setting. They're going to do something totally different. Less, uh, less power hungry quality may be a little bit down but i mean if they're worried about that yeah you you get a something uh, some other solution that will accelerate and improve that and not bog down your eight core processor with that yeah and that's I mean, it's it's value added but it's you know and i don't think it's sneaky but i mean it really is a very pointed use case scenario that is extremely unlikely to be enabled yeah and that's my big my big concern or my big issue is there are so many situations where this class of processor, like looking down the, the upcoming product lineup at every price point and looking what AMD's got lined up at that same price versus Intel, there's so many things you can do with AMD with those higher core counts. This is just isn't, I mean, this is something you can do. It's just it's not something you will do. And so that's you know, focus on, and I think they did in other parts of the presentation, focus on the actual stuff that you're going to want to do with this processor. And, uh, and that's, you know, and, and just, I just want to be clear too. AMD is getting all my money this year. Like I'm next system is going to be buying AMD and, and we're going to be testing AMD. We're going to be making sure their claims are held up. And if they, if they do, uh, that's, that's incredible. I'm going to be packing all of my next systems with AMD parts. 
and be happy to do so because I love to see competition. So, uh, but just don't, this kind of stuff could have, we can do without, we can move beyond this. I think that was showmanship more than any type of value to, to this very exciting processor. Well, as, as North Ranger said in, in chat, I mean, their, their PCI 4.0 benchmark mm. was. Yes, that too. It, was, it just, yeah, I mean, it's, yes, it's true. PCIe 4.0 is faster and it's going to be faster in that benchmark, but. Now, in that case, I can I can almost forgive them because there isn't really anything else to show in terms of gaming for PCI 4.0. Now, there's some mm-hmm. stuff in, like, professional work uh, workstations, and I think yeah. they were showing this as well. Oh, and where- I.O., it's going to be fantastic. I mean, if you get yeah. an 8-wide with one of those super-duper, you know, like, four NVMe drives in there, I mean, you're going to be saturating and doing well, good stuff with PCI 4.0, but... Yeah, but I didn't even mean that. I meant even on the graphics side, like you can do things like like multiple 8K video streams or something like that. If you're doing video yeah. production, like the, there's there is a benefit to that be- bandwidth in a graphics card. It's just not gaming, and it's at least not today or in the near future. They but, definitely uh, could have framed it differently and sold it differently. They could have said, you know, similar results. Obviously, these are two high performance parts, and here we are gaming, we're streaming, and we're having good performance, but. If we turn up the settings, say you want to have like a really high quality stream and set yourself apart from the rest on Intel, it turns into a slideshow. And with our part, you can go all the way up to the ultra slow and it's still over 60 frames per second and buttery smooth. Mm-hmm. That could have been a good demo too. It would have been a little bit more technical. And instead it was mm-hmm. that high level like, oh, look, it's the competition. They're a slideshow. Look at us. We're smooth. And we're not telling you any of the settings that'll come out later. And people who are, you know, who know the difference like Steve, immediately was like, no, this is wrong. Nobody ever yeah. uses that. Nobody ever would use that. You go for the faster settings because you don't want to hit your performance while you're streaming. Mm-hmm. And, and just Now, what about yeah. performance while you're streaming? Because, it, I mean, if you're... Oh, you're benchmarking uh, while streaming. Well, I mean, I'm not on... Well, I am online, but, you know, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I do. Go ahead. Don't let me interrupt. I mean, I have, I have a 100 app service, so I, it's fine. You know, I've got all these systems and all these lights going, and you know, I'm sure I won't cross actually those lose power. Man. Yeah, yeah. Your wife turns know. on the garbage disposal, and the whole thing goes black. So, yeah. All right. Uh, well, let's uh, let's jump into uh, the next news story we've got here, and uh, we know that uh, there was no news on Threadripper, or at least no announcements on Threadripper uh, during these past two AMD events. And with Ryzen now hitting 16 cores with the 3950X, we were left wondering what what's there for Threadripper. And we know AMD, uh, through Lisa Sue, has said that they're, they're committed to Threadripper. And some leaks came out this week uh, suggesting uh, that they're just going to continue the trend that they started with Ryzen and take Threadripper even higher. Uh, why don't you tell us about this, Jeremy? What has AMD got in store for Threadripper, allegedly? Allegedly, we are going to see models with up to 64 physical cores, which it's almost hard to picture uh, how your poor task manager is going to show that on the performance tab. Uh, (laughs) It's insane. It's kind of hard to justify how the hell you're going to use that many, except for certain tasks. Uh, In my case, I'd be able to be running... hmm? That sounds almost epic. Oh, it is almost epic. Uh-huh. But we've been hearing higher possible counts with that. 
which at a server, it's like, yeah, let's just run a hundred VMs on a chip because we can, uh, <laughs> which is going to be amusing in and of itself. Uh, but for my usage scenarios, doing a folding at home and boink, like study at home and that, that's, that means 64 tasks or 128, depending on which project you're doing and whether or not it's able to multi-thread in that way. I mean, they're going to be expensive. The, the guesses are about 2,500 to three grand. But when you look at Intel, which doesn't even have core counts that high, you're already approaching those prices, which it, it's, it's crazy. I, not everyone has three grand to toss on a, a, a workstation level CPU. Definitely not a gaming CPU. Server CPU, you're not even going to blink at that. So it's an interesting piece of the market, which is just beautifully overkill. And along with this comes the rumor, of course, that the X599 is going to be a thing. Again, with really sparse details, we've, we've got nothing even on the process. Like, will these new Threadrippers be on the 7 nanometer? Will they be on an older process? What kind of frequencies are we talking about? What kind of frequencies are each core able to maintain? And same deal with the X599. Is it going to have PCIe 4.0? Chances are yes, but we don't know for sure. And again, you, the assumption is that just with the Ryzen ones, your, your newer Threadrippers should still work in the older uh, boards, but you it, whether they put PCIe 4.0 on the 599 or not, you're not going to get it on the 399 or 499. But it'd be just be interesting to, to do a BIOS update and just jump to 64 cores and just to see what you can do and how many games utterly freak out because they, they just can't count that high and go back down to one core. It, it's... I'm excited, but in a way, because it's just so beautifully silly and I want to see how it works out because I don't, I, I'm, that's beyond my price range. I, I'm not going to be able to drop three grand on the processor. Sorry. I, I wish I could. It'd be fun. I just think of the things you could do with this. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I, now obviously at that point, you've got to talk about a whole new level of, of threading, multi-threaded aware software. Yeah. But Real real time ray tracing crisis in software yeah, with, without acceleration. <laughs> mm -hmm. Just yeah. just throw yeah. more at it. And even then, but it can it ray trace crisis? That's 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 the new. You no, know Josh, that's an amazing that'll be the new thing. Yeah, that'll be the next older game that gets the ray tracing treatment, but only on sixty four core processors. Yes, no RTX. This is the new X sixty four. Yeah. I do want to point out, too, um, kind of an aside here. I'm kind of impressed here. Uh, obviously, ads have gotten out of control a lot of sites. Uh, we hope we're not one of them. We've tried very hard not to be. But look at this Best Buy ad. It's parallax scrolling in the ad. Ooh. Look at that. Wow. That's, I don't think I've ever seen that before. That's the power of QLED technology. That, yeah, yes. 8K, 8K on your Samsung QLED, only at Best Buy. Shop now. So, Unfortunately, you just got uh, infected by looking at that TV. So I, I you probably better run I probably please, well, please, PSA, connect your existing Samsung smart TV to a known good Samsung smart TV and initiate a remote virus scan using one of the many, I'm sure, freely available virus scan apps you can download directly to your smart TV mm -hmm. that are all completely trustworthy. Yes. What have, 
What have we done? What have we done? Any, any more thoughts on Threadripper, Josh, Sebastian? With 60, well, 64 cores, that's ridiculous. And of course, that would be based on the Epic side, I would assume. When the 64, when the 16 core 32 thread part hits, the 3950X, for 749, I think that's going to be more than enough for most. Already, mm-hmm. if you looked at the, the 2990WX, that's around a $1,730 part on Amazon the last time I checked. And yeah, it's twice the core count, but it's lower speeds. So single threaded performance will be lower than, than the 16 core part. So as an all around, like I want to game on this. I also want to be able to do like legitimate workstation type tasks. I would go for the lower thread count and use that extra money. If it was already in my budget to like go with a better graphic solution or like, like a crazy, I could buy a storage array for the, for the thousand dollar price difference. So Personally, you know I go for higher core, lower core count, higher clock speed. Sorry, Josh. No, no, it's perfectly fine. I didn't time that very well. I apologize. <clears throat> but you know what? The one really good thing about this next generation of Threadripper is what? What? No gaming mode. Mm, true. Because it all goes through the I/O core that has a memory controller. So you don't have two separate memory controllers and a, and a NUMA interface. It's just all connected by Infinity Fabric, looking like a monolithic uh, core with a, you know, even though it's going to be quad-channel memory controller, it's going to be a single memory controller. I mean, wow, that's that's kind of massive. So people who are building workstations who don't want to pay the epic price, this is going to be... It's going to be a significant. I mean, they they may call you know be a thousand, fifteen hundred, two thousand dollars, but if you can get a two thousand dollars sixty four core, one hundred twenty eight thread, with quad channel memory performance, that's going to be a no brainer for a certain section of workstation group. And then you can run the Intel Performance Maximizer to eke out a little bit more performance <laughs> on your Threadripper. Yes. Yeah, Don't but confuse- with 64 cores, Wait. just think of how that expands. I mean, 100 yeah. megahertz here, and you're, you've got fucking real power. Yep. Ugh. Make it up in volume. All right. Uh, let's move on to the next story. We've got news from uh, our sort of enterprise or supercomputer news, I guess, from NVIDIA. Uh, they were at the, what is it called here, the International Supercomputing Conference that was held last week in Frankfurt. And they announced that uh, they're bringing support for their supercomputing processing CUDA AI machine learning platform to ARM processors. They're already in x86, obviously. They're already in IBM's power platform. And now they're adding support for ARM, which they're going to have fully available by the end of the year, they said, uh, rolling out various support for different libraries in the meantime. And, uh, you know, this is a big deal in terms of, uh, as, as NVIDIA said, you know, they're, they're providing flexibility. They weren't in the most recent announcements for the most powerful supercomputers. Uh, AMD is going to be in the, the 1.5 exaflop system coming to Oak Ridge. And the, uh, I can't remember the name of it, but the, the, the runner-up to that uh, is going to be an Intel, an all-Intel-powered system. So NVIDIA was absent from there. Uh, but they're looking then at, at more energy-efficient supercomputers, and by bringing support for ARM-based processors to their graphics solution or their, you know, graphics-accelerated processing solution, uh, that allows them to uh, to tackle that market. And 
alongside this announcement, they, they pointed out there was a survey by uh, the Green 500, uh, which showed that uh, NVIDIA was in 22 of the world's 25, quote, most energy efficient supercomputers. I wasn't quite sure on the designation for that. It wasn't in the press release or in the website that they linked to in terms of specifically how they measured that. But clearly uh, going for 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 choice and for energy efficiency. And, and also uh, Ian Buck, a VP there of their Tesla data center business, uh, he was giving an interview to, I think it was uh, Reuters. And uh, he pointed out that in Europe and in Japan in particular, they're liking ARM because ARM obviously being the platform designer, not the manufacturer, is giving these companies choice in how they configure their systems. It's not necessarily tied to companies that are based in countries with whom they might have disagreements politically. Uh, it, it's, it's just more flexibility. And so ARM is becoming more popular uh, there. And so having NVIDIA uh, options for ARM-based systems is, is good there as well. Uh, what do you guys think of this news? I think it's a it's a decent advance. <clears throat> it's nice for ARM because CUDA is, I mean, it's it's really widely used. I mean, OpenCL has been kind of a flop. I mean, there've been other things floated out there, and there's some you know some some really you know custom coded stuff that works well, but of course you know can't be transported across other platforms and <clears throat> other applications. So this is a nice advancement for the ARM group. I mean, they don't have a huge amount of of server footprint. Um, they certainly don't have a whole lot of workstation footprint at all. But it's uh, you know it's something that uh, hey I'm I'm going to do some machine learning with my Shield TV. It'll work, right? Uh, perhaps. Yes. Some, somebody yeah. will have something. But yeah, that's the thing. It's it's you know. ARM has their their machine learning stuff. They've got you know uh, the Molly the latest generations of Molly GPUs are are really good. Uh, they can do a lot more general purpose stuff than than ever before. Machine learning course, you know, it's 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 you know it, it's really efficient at what they do and it's pretty powerful. But CUDA doesn't run on those, so don't think that hey, I've got a cell phone and I can load CUDA up and I can start making apps that'll do whatever I wanted to. And it's it's not that's not the case. It's just CUDA for the ARM infrastructure, but you still have to have an NVIDIA component in there to be able to run it all. So I can't just plug my cell phone into my car via USB and then it just drives it? That's a pity. You could try. You know, bring back Tegra. (laughs) Tegra 17 is going to drive our cars. Well. All right. Well, let's uh, let's jump to the story we just alluded to about uh, smart TVs and the uh, coming apocalypse. Uh, Samsung, uh, very, very surprisingly, or I guess unsurprisingly, if you think about it, sent out a tweet uh, through their channels. Uh, their, I guess it was their support Twitter, basically suggesting that customers run virus scans on their Samsung smart TVs. And then PR deleted it minutes later. Right, of course, yeah, it was it was uh, poorly received and 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 covered up. But uh, what what do you guys think, uh, Jeremy? You wrote this up. Uh, which what's happening? I well, I mean, yeah, it's an internet connected device. Don't trust it. Assume it's been infected, especially if you never do anything about it. 
Now, I haven't had, I, I kept meaning to screw around with one of the ones that we've got at work to go into the menu because apparently there is a built in one that you can trigger a manual scan. You can't set it on a schedule of any sort, you have to do it manually. And I didn't get a chance to look to see, you know, when I'm doing a systems update on one of these bloody TVs, does it include include virus definition updates or are we looking at a factory default setting of it's just sort of comparing what it knows the TVs should look like versus what it does now and Lord help you if one of your software updates it disagrees with but it, the internet of crap has taught us you know you got to assume that anything you hook up to the internet is vulnerable otherwise well you're a bloody idiot there's no other way to say it. You, you, your toaster is spying on you if you don't protect yourself from it. it. Or at least if not spying on you, it's running a botnet or mining coin for someone. So honestly, That's no. That, that, is... that kind of segues into that joke. You know, like I laughed, my oh. wife laughed, the toaster laughed, I shot it. Yeah. 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 Wait, your Wait. wife or the toaster? They don't specify. We don't need, yeah. Okay, I, yeah. Yeah, we don't need to go into details about that. The shame is, uh, because I, I had to buy my parents a new TV a few months ago, you can't buy a dumb TV anymore. I mean, or if you if you can, you got to really look for it. And if you find it, it's not going to have, like, any other feature you want, like good picture quality or 4K. Uh, all yeah, or the, HDR or anything. Yeah, all the high-quality uh, televisions have smart features that come standard uh, all the, the mid-range and even lower-end ones that have any type of decent feature set have smart features built in. And, you know, you, in a lot of cases, you load it up and you get a message right off the bat saying, you know, we're, we're going to be looking at what you watch. Like, we're not giving you a choice. We're going to be looking at your data. Uh, but do you want personalized ads with that? And it's, like, just very uh, very disconcerting. If, if you can the, find it in the menu, we will turn off the audio monitoring. Yeah. At least until the next update. Yeah. Yeah. Well, at least you you have the the peace of mind of having told it to turn off the audio monitoring. Right. It was Neelai Patel. He, he tweeted something about this because I know The Verge ran with the story and they had a screenshot of the Samsung tweet that was deleted. But he had done an interview... I don't know how long ago, maybe around CES time, it might have been a year ago, with Vizio's, either, either their U.S. head or the CEO, and it was talking about the business model of selling smart TVs in the current era, and it literally would take selling at a higher price to maintain margins that they can sell a smart TV for. It's not about buying a premium TV that offers smart TV features. Every TV, even the cheap ones, have these smart features because that's how they're subsidizing the cost of the TV. It's like bloatware on a laptop. They are selling your information that is gleaned from your viewing habits, from the things you watch in your TV, and maybe from whatever else they're collecting with you know, voice recognition. So I know that my LG TV, every once in a while, asks me if I want to enable voice recognition and these other controls that came with it. And I've always declined all that stuff, but there's certain things you have to accept before you can even use the TV. And that's why the TV apparently costs what it does and gives them the margins that they want. Not that these things are not high margin for these companies, but the Vizio head at least was saying that the prices would have to be higher if they were to take away the smart features now. So 
I'd I'd pay it. I mean, obviously no one else yeah. would, but but man, <laughs> would you pay a hundred dollars more for a TV that was just completely offline? I'd yeah. like to take a thumb yes. drive to my TV for firmware updates. That's all I want. I don't need it to be connected to anything. Well, not even that, but because they've built the smart uh, UI or operating system now controls everything too. So if you don't get a really yeah. good TV with a fast processor, it's slower. I mean, like uh, one of the we've got a, a, a Roku. It's a it's a sharp Roku TV. So it's the sharp brand with the Roku built in in the the guest room, and it's slow as hell because it's just some crappy you know SOC they put in there, and and it it runs so much slower than a you know an external Roku. And we bought it thinking, okay, we don't need an external Roku now, but the experience is crap. Uh, so yeah, I take a dumb TV and then let me put whatever box I want on it, but. But it, it needs uh, some CUDA cores on the ARM processor in that Roku box. Yes, right. But yeah. I haven't upgraded my TV in forever because, honestly, I just don't care. Uh, it is dumb as a brick, and I've got an external Roku on it, which performs perfectly well. It's Yeah, it's got external power, which is a mite annoying but not horrible, but it doesn't impact the performance at all. It, it's getting regular security updates for the most part, and I can just unplug the damn thing if it starts you know, choosing my shows for me. I honestly, like just even from a security standpoint, I would love an option to say, you know, I'm taking this bloody TV offline and the only upgrades that I'm doing are via the, the maintenance USB port where I will plug something in and trigger a flash process to update it. And I'd be much happier with that. Yeah. But unfortunately, uh, when we'll never, that ship has sailed. We're, we're done. We're screwed. But if you got them, run your virus checks or just cut the wire. Don't connect it to your network and just hope there aren't any critical bugs in there that would need to be fixed with the software update. And we're going to take a quick break to thank our sponsor this week. And that is clear. Uh, you guys, if you've listened to the podcast, you know that uh, I've been using this service for several months, pretty much the, the first half of this year here. I absolutely love them. And I think you are too. You're, you're going to love them too. Clear is about helping you get where you need to go faster. Security is just a, a part of life now. It's it's there at the airport, it's at the stadium, it's, it's at the places you wanna go, and for better or worse, it slows you down sometimes. It's you can't, it's unpredictable, it adds to your, your time getting into the venue, getting into the airport, it adds stress to your life. Get rid of that, get clear. Clear helps you get through security faster by making you the password, by replacing your physical ID, with biometric security. So you leave the wallet and your ID in your pocket and you use you, your fingerprints, your, your retina scan to get through the line. Here's how it works. You go to a place that has a clear location and there's over 50 of them now in the US at airports and stadiums. And that includes, and I'm so excited to say, cause they just joined recently, the Cincinnati airport. So happy for that. You go to a clear location, there's the regular security line and then there's the clear line. You go up to the clear line and you scan your fingers and they take you right through security. You still have to go through security, but you go right to the front of the line and do whatever it is, depending on the venue that security requires, you know, go through the metal detector, scan your bag, whatever, and then you're in. You're not worried about missing your flight if you're running late. You're not stressing out. You're not having to just stand there and wait in line for an hour or however long it takes. You get through faster. And for me, in my experience traveling at airports, it has saved me hours, hours and hours of time and even more important, stress. Because when you do run late, uh, when you're about to miss your flight, you've just had a stressful meeting, whatever, 
you don't want to worry about the, the thought of, of having to run to your gate. You can get through security, take your time, and not worry about it. And that's the benefit of Clear. You go to the Clear website. You go to clearme.com slash pcper, and then you use promo code pcper when you, when you sign up. You, and that, that will get you two months to use the service for free. You enroll, and then once you're enrolled on the site, you go to any Clear location. Like I said, over 50 of them at uh, airports and, and uh, stadiums around the country. Complete your enrollment by showing your ID, scanning your fingerprints. Uh, it takes only a couple of minutes. And then once you've, you're enrolled, you can start using the service immediately. So the next time you go to the stadium, to the arena, or the next time you're going to catch a flight, you don't have to worry about security. You get through in minutes, if not seconds, and it really improves your travel experience. When you're enrolled in Clear, you can enroll up to three family members at a discounted rate. And when you have children under 18 traveling with you, they can get through for free. Clear is the absolute best way to get through airport security. And if you have something like PreCheck, the TSA PreCheck, they work together so you can get through even faster. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, when I was at San Jose last month, I was running late. The line was about 100 people long through the regular TSA line. I got through with Clear in, I think I said, 87 seconds. It was something like that. It was just over a minute. It's unbelievable. So check that out. You get two months free to use it. So if you're going to be traveling this summer, even if you have just one or two trips, sign up, try it for free, see how much better Clear makes your travel experience. Go to clearme.com slash PCPer and use promo code PCPer when you check out. That's C-L-E-A-R-M-E dot com slash PCPer and promo code PCPer. I love Clear. I'm a, a full paying member. I plan to continue because it's made such a dramatic improvement in my travel life. If you travel at all, you owe it to yourself to check it out. Clearme.com slash PCPer. We thank Clear for their support of the PC Perspective podcast. But uh, let's let's uh, continue on with the news in order to keep my promise of being this being a short show. Uh, we've got uh, some new uh, systems coming out from a number of companies, uh, obviously with all this, these new Ryzen parts. And, and one of the companies that uh, sent out some information this week was Asus. They've got these AMD-powered gaming systems, laptops and desktops. I think the laptops were already announced, uh, at least in terms of the the key feature set uh, back at their event in New York in April, but uh, I think they're, they're close to launching now is the key. Uh, but what wasn't announced is this new desktop here, the ROG Strix GL10DH. Uh, it's the uh, it's a system based on a Ryzen 7 3700X up to GeForce RTX 27, 2070 graphics, 32 gigs of DDR4 memory, of course, an Asus motherboard, in this case, the Asus Prime B450M, Okay, so it's that the B450 uh, chipset, and you can get uh, multiple storage options. Uh, they've advertised a 256 gig NVMe SSD paired with a one terabyte uh, mechanical drive. And then uh, again, rehashing the laptops, we've got the Zephyrus GA502, uh, which is a Ryzen 7 3750H system. That's their uh, uh, third gen Ryzen Mobile that came out at the beginning of the year uh, with up to GC GTX 1660 Ti graphics. 32 gigs of RAM, and then they've got the Tough series. And again, Asus this year rebranded Tough. Uh, it's now their sort of their entry level. It's still got that sort of tough, aesthetic, rugged look, but it's their lower priced uh, models, the Tough Gaming FX 505D, 505DY, with a Ryzen, uh, well, not a Ryzen 7 3700X, that's a desktop part, Ryzen 
Ryzen 7 3750H up to a Ryzen 7 or a Ryzen 5 3550Y. Uh, so some good options uh, from Asus, uh, their, their own branded desktops and laptops. And then uh, continuing on real quick, we've got an announcement, uh, or at least an update, an updated review, I guess, on the Dell XPS 13. This is the latest version of this laptop, which has been out for a while. And it was the Inquirer who did a review of this. Uh, what did they think about this la- uh, laptop, Jeremy? Well, you know, the rose gold is a, an interesting choice. Some people love it. Some people absolutely despise it. And one of those group is right. I'll leave it up to you to decide which one. Uh, but, I mean, honestly, they, the, if you looked at it, you would not be able to tell the difference between it and the 2018 model. It looks almost exactly the same, but honestly, like, as I put it, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. It's a perfectly brilliant design. Uh, they've gone fancy on the keyboard, uh, but not hey, quite they put as the, fancy. They put the webcam software. up top. Webcam that was in one change. That's huge. Yes, it is. No more nose cam. And as you can see, the the basil did not get that much bigger to accommodate it. But it's because God, I don't want to see nose hairs. Like I've got enough of my own as it is in the mirror in the morning. I, apart from that, just about everything is sort of the same, except you've got a nice refresh on uh, the processor and. You've, although the other nice thing is that uh, you can go, depending on your price tag, you can go with a standard 1080p screen, or they do have a 4K touchscreen model, which, you know, is interesting. I mean, I encountering Windows and how it does icon and interface scaling, it's going to be a bit of a fight uh, for something of this size, a 13-inch 4K screen, but... For those with good enough eyes to do it, it's it's going to look absolutely gorgeous. The pixel density on it is insane. And strangely enough, they still won't buy them for us at work. I mean, it's a Dell. Yeah. I bought it's one of these. not thick enough, man. True. I, I bought one earlier this year, and, and unfortunately, I had to return it right away because it. Uh, I, I, I got it. I started doing Windows updates, as one does when they buy a new computer. And, you know, at some point... Halfway through those updates, it completely froze the system on boot. It was some sort of driver firmware issue. Uh, I tried to, I pulled the NVMe because it is thankfully a removable NVMe. Mm-hmm. Uh, put a new one in with a fresh install of Windows. Still crashed, still, still froze. And at that point, I had no more time to troubleshoot. And also, it was a brand new $1,500 laptop. I didn't want to go too far with it. So I just sent it back and... Uh, We'll probably revisit it at some point because I did love that the form factor was nice. It's a very nice, well-built machine. It just uh, mine for for whatever reason had an issue. The uh, we had that at work <clears throat> earlier this year. That these new laptops we got with the eight thousand series Intel. That the 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 Windows Intel, you know, SATA uh, the RAID drivers. What, what do they call it? I can't remember. Uh, rapid. It's their. It's their specific. Yeah, rapid. RST. Whatever. Yeah, rapid storage. You know, the, type. the stuff that that Windows installs automatically caused our machines to just crash, mm. and so I had to go through and you know get the uh, you know every you know like once every five crashes it would actually be able to do a uh, mem dump 
but then you can take that and analyze the uh, the mem dump and see what what caused the issue and it was the it was the Microsoft downloadable RST driver and you had to go to the Dell site and install that before you did updates otherwise it just wouldn't run mm-hmm. or you know it it run for a while and then it would just crash constantly Actually, the, so, I, yeah, we figured yeah, out how to know we, we figured that one out in that if you're yeah. running the Dell support assist, you know, as, as horrible as the buddy thing is, it's, it's good for one thing. If it fails to install that Intel RST, wipe the damn machine. You've got that update that's going to screw you six months down the road. As long as the, the Dell support assist will install the, their own RST, you're good. But the second that it fails, you know that bloody Microsoft uh, SATA driver got in there and yeah, she's toast. If not today, maybe tomorrow. Yeah, unfortunate. All right, uh, let's uh, finish up the news. We've got uh, another story that popped up this week, uh, although it looks like we've got some clarification now. But uh, as was rumored earlier this week, there was some talk that Intel was reaching out to Samsung for help fabricating or manufacturing their 14 nanometer processors. And that's kind of set everyone all... uh, all, got everyone all interested, but then a rumor or clarification, I guess, uh, I don't know if it was yesterday or today, or earlier today, clarification that this is not about processors. Intel and Samsung are talking not about processors, but probably about chipsets and other, you know, smaller embedded type stuff, not the big uh, desktop and mobile processors. But uh, what, do you, what do you guys think about this uh, this story? Part that made sense to me was they were looking at volume. I okay. Let's just suddenly wrap down a couple of our fourteen nanometer uh, lines, retool them, and you know try and get some body processors out. But at the same time, you're looking, going, yeah, okay, Samsung, yeah, it's not TSMC, it, it's it's not Glowful, but Intel is close to the chest. They don't outsource that kind of thing. Yeah, it's 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 weird because I mean Intel is investing billions of dollars in the big four fabs that they've got now that um, <clears throat> will do ten nanometer and more fourteen nanometer stuff, and uh, yeah, it's going to be something pretty low end that they would do. I know there was some talk about an external graphics part that would be actually on a on on a chip um, rather than and a standalone GPU that they might be doing with with samsung but that's you know that's 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 purely rumor at the time i mean they are 14 nanometer constrained make you know yeah i have no doubt there but uh doing something like this and then floating over a design to samsung's 14 nanometer uh that's not something you can do overnight or even within maybe six months It, it it takes a lot of work and uh, a lot of modifications because, you know, Intel's designs are, they're very, very different. Um, you know, a lot of hand-laid uh, transistors, uh, you know, manual uh, place and route versus automated. <clears throat> so, yeah, it's, uh, it's it, it was a weird thing. I mean, you could, you know, something like the Intel part that used a Vega graphics, yes, Intel utilized another fabrication uh, joint to, to do those graphics parts because 
they don't have the capacity and and it's you know it's a product that's already already made for for those uh you know those nodes and uh manufacturers so you can see that but you know something new coming down the line it's going to have to be pretty specialized and a little bit further thinking ahead and plus if it's in 2 years What's going to be hitting 14 nanometers that is going to be high performance? Basically, the answer is nothing. Yeah. So, obviously, that's part of the reason why the denial of the rumor was quickly accepted by most, I think. so. Unless All they right. doth protest too much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, let's, let's finish up. We've got uh, something I'm sure Jeremy's very excited about uh, uh, at uh, E3. I, be- I believe this was announced at E3. There's a yep. new Paradox game coming out uh, that is, uh, it's certainly a Paradox game, but a little bit different uh, than what we've seen in the past. Why don't you tell us what they've got in store here, Jeremy? Yeah, so you are in 1920s Prohibition era Chicago, and you're Al Capone, building a criminal empire to rival all others. So you will get Assumedly, a, a map, as Paradox usually does, with a Europa, Europa, Versalis, and Stellaris, and Crusader Kings. And actually, it's that last one that this is probably going to more most represent. Because Crusader Kings was not just about taking over the world, but about how horrible the, the people in your empire were. And they, they gained traits that, you know, I mean... You have to figure out a way when you found out that your king is actually a cannibalistic baby eater, because that's a thing. So you you build up a squad, you hire mercenaries, which will help you grow your empire. And you're going to have to sort of deal with the fact that these are not good guys. They are not nice people. One of the special moves apparently is to, for someone who's unconscious, to run up to them and knife them, as he just did right there. Because that's what you do. You're a gangster. It's very different in a way from what a lot of paradox has done because the the battles are turn based, uh, which is amusing. Picturing gangsters waiting in turns to shoot each other, but the reason that this is probably going to work out well is because when they said that they're work, working with Romero Games, they're actually talking about Brenda Romero. She is the mastermind behind a lot of the stuff that happened in Jagged Alliance and Jagged Alliance 2 in the old Wizardry series. She's been around for forever. She's, she even did Playboy the Mansion for crying out loud. So, you know, it's, it's with her doing sort of the, the, the stories and the design of the turn-based stuff, which she's been doing for well over 20 years now, it could become very interesting for something for a game series where you're used to just sort of watching numbers. You're watching statistics of ships or, or armies as they die. And eventually, you know, one side wins or the other, but you've got no real influence in it apart from the technologies that you've got. Whereas in this one, you're going to be sort of an XCOM type battles, which will be interesting. It's going to be a year out. Uh, they're talking spring 2020. So this will be teased for a very long time. But it it just, you know, it strikes me as kind of interesting to, you know, take over Chicago and uh, bring booze to the people. And and just to clarify, I don't think we said it, the name of the game is Empire of Sin. Ah, 
good point. So be on the lookout for that uh, next year, spring 2020. And I'm st- I'm still playing Stellaris. I got and I haven't even started Crusader Kings. I haven't played any of those. Parts of Iron Four. Too many yep. Paradox games. To play. There's, so and they're spewing them out like crazy. Games. Yep. And I still got to get into World of Warships just to keep get Josh off my back. So I know. Yeah. He's asked about that. I, I I downloaded and installed it and immediately got destroyed in my first battle. Oh, you should have told game. me, and I would I would have done a referral, so you'd get some extra stuff, and I'd get some extra stuff. Oh well, well I'll I'll uh, I'll get a new account going, and we'll, we'll set that up. Oh, okay, all right. Probably shouldn't have said that. It's probably not allowed to have multiple accounts for the purpose of circumventing bonus content, but we'll edit that out. All sure. right, let's. Uh, that, that's the the all the news topics today. Anybody else have anything they want to cover before we jump into the picks of the week? So what what do you guys think of uh, of the super leaks? The super leagues, leaks. leaks. Oh, leaks! Oh, the new you super cards. You've read super. them. It sounds like. What are they? Okay, so they're yeah they're they're super versions of current stuff that fill in the gaps in price range that currently were kind of empty, and so it's far more granular with what you can get, but. They're all being released apparently now. No, this isn't. These are all leaks. We don't know if this is true. We don't know how Nvidia is going to react to the the fifty seven hundred release from uh, AMD and how that all pans out. I mean, they've got some leeway in there, but holy cow, they're not lowering prices on anything. They're filling in the gaps and kind of raising prices <laughs> in, in ways, but. I mean, they're not actually raising prices, but, you know, from the leaks, it, it, it says that, you know, they're not lowering anything. This could change depending on how well the 700 series does. But for the time being, with the information that we have and see and that they're just going to be, you know, higher bend versions of whatever with less things disabled. And, uh, and yeah, let's just call it super and we'll populate... Uh, market prices that we have currently kind of ignored. So, what is it? Uh, Three forty nine for a twenty sixty, and the twenty sixty super goes at four twenty nine, and the twenty seventy regular is is still four ninety nine. So we're not seeing any kind of movement downwards. We're just seeing some holes plugged with these super parts, super pots. Well. No, I if can't wait to order my. Oh, you have to bring it back up again because I can't remember it all. Because I, I need the <laughs> uh, Nvidia GeForce TU one hundred four A dash four hundred, please. Not the non. Yeah, I don't know what the, they've got. Multiple things at the same part with yeah different name, and they didn't really explain that stuff. But all we know is that the super parts they're just kind of plugging holes in. Uh, in, in, in market areas that we're not, you know, we're not uh, serviced, if you will. Well, I just want to see what, if it exists, if that 2060 Super exists and it does come out at 429, if it blows the RX 5700 XD out of the water, we're going to have to see a price drop. I would love to see that card come down at 399. But I don't know. We're going to, uh, yeah, it's. <clears throat> It really depends on AMD. AMD could be our kind of savior here or not, or 
they will collude and keep prices high. I don't know. I would like to see RTX prices go down because RTX prices are too damn high. There, I said it. Mr. Wong, tear down these prices. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, they are. I mean, six ninety nine. Come on, get serious. Oh yeah. All right, let's uh, let's jump into the uh, picks of the week. Uh, I'll start off first. I've got a uh, an iPad case, which may not sound that exciting, but no. in my experience, they're hard to come by. A good iPad case is hard to come by. Some of the like the Apple ones. They initially were good quality, but overpriced, and recently are pretty crappy quality. Like, they kind of fall apart way too soon. And then there's a bunch of cheap ones out there. I settled on this one. I got this initially for my son's iPad, and it's the Zugu case, Z-U-G-U. And it's a full coverage case, so it covers everything, uh, seals up completely. It's got an Apple Pencil holder, if you're into that. It's got a, a series of bumps on the back, so that when you fold it around and make it a stand, you can position it at various angles. And because of those bumps and they're magnetized, it really holds it well so that you, you can, you know, it's not going to flop around or, or if you're trying to write or tap on it, it's not going to fall back on you. Uh, it's a nice case. Uh, I liked it for my son's iPad so much. I got it for mine. They're available, I think, for all the recent models and sizes of iPads. Uh, it's, it's pricey. It's $70. Uh, at least this one is. I think the, the one I got for his was, was a little less. But, but they're not the cheapest case around. But I've been he's been using his for almost a year. I've been using mine for three or four months. It's really, really a solid case. It's probably my favorite non-keyboard case for the iPad. So if you have one and you're looking for that case, check it out. Zugu case, Z-U-G-U. And just make sure you select the right, uh, right size for your iPad. All right, Jeremy, you're next. Hey, it's garbage, but it works. And, you know, you can go out into the ocean and form all that floating plastic into something that'll really, really screw around the wildlife. Or, you know, you can just use it to recycle uh, trash plastic. Uh, it's a specific type of 3D print head, which doesn't need filament. You shred up a bunch of plastic, you throw it in. It will print with it. It's not going to be as pretty as, you know, proper filament will be but it's also a hell of a lot cheaper it's a great way to do your prototyping to see you know is this design actually going to stand or if you're looking for something that looks a little more interesting because you get a lot more texture out of it and hey you're recycling so it's it's you're doing sort of a good thing for the environment i mean it's not like you're getting rid of the plastic you're just reforming it but into something relatively useful in theory and it's bloody free that way you can test out your prints without blowing through all the filament, going through trying to recycle filament, which is not as easy as it could be. And it's not stupidly expensive, so give it a shot if you've got a 3D printer and you just want to screw around and don't really want to spend money on another giant batch of filament. Nice. Apparently it makes a good toilet seat. It makes it. Yeah. Those are the comments below. It was not mine. It was just... So what are guys making out of it? Oh, it's it's okay. It's a toilet seat. And now we're getting into the Bernoulli effect and how it would ensure that bacteria isn't growing in the little pits. Oh, boy. It's a, it's a strange sight. All right, Josh. Me. Okay, you know what? If you haven't gotten this yet, if you've not bought a product that has this as a bundle, if you enjoy these type of games, this is a great one. It is a massive area that is modeled 
pretty closely to the real Washington, D.C. Different neighborhoods, architecture, buildings, whatever. Um, it looks stunning graphically. Gameplay is very good. It's not a terrible grind. At least when you're playing through it, it doesn't feel like one. Um, I've had a great time so far playing it. I don't have as much time to play it as I want to, but it's what it is. But the uh, the graphics and, 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 and environments are awesome. I mean, it really is. It's a step up. And it just, you know, it, it all helps with the immersion, and it's it's really interesting stuff. You know, it's kind of a fun storyline. And, uh, you know, it is kind of a loot shooter in ways. But there's still a lot of strategy. There's a lot of fun and a lot of really interesting, interesting uh, experiences that you have throughout the game. So, well worth the price. It's on sale now. Grab it. Enjoy you some Division 2. Decent single player or mostly multiplayer? No, it can be single player all the way through. It's just, you know, it's... You you can unlock some areas where you actually have to have a friend, but you can do all the main stuff by yourself. Okay. Okay, and Sebastian? Well, uh, not exactly PC hardware related, but something I just got uh, for Father's Day from my wife. It's the Park Tool... And Park Tools, by the way, if you don't know, they're the company that makes a lot of the home, like, bicycle mechanic tools. And they have, like, the bright blue as their trademark. They have these really nice home mechanic stands to put your bike up on so you can work on it up in the air and not, like, crouch over or get down on the floor to adjust a derailleur or something. And I've longed for one of these for a long time. You always see the really nice workbench when you go into like a bike shop in the back room. They have one of these nice stands. So I now have one of these. It's the PCS 10.2. It's a newer revision of their old PCS 10. Folds up. It's fully adjustable. It's got quick releases to raise and lower the height on everything. It was expensive. It was 200 bucks. But I had looked around at some of the cheaper alternatives. And my wife was amenable to this purchase. So just ordered it on Amazon the other day. And it's amazing. They actually have the bike like right up here. Anyway, it's not a tiny not bike, exactly. or is it really like 180 centimeters tall? It's that. It's six really foot. tall. I don't know exactly how okay. tall it can. I think it gets close to about six feet. Yeah, like the bike that I have on it right now is probably a, like the seat is at my head, and it's not at its full height. So yeah, it's it's pretty big. Very good. All right. Does anybody else have any topics they want to cover? Nope. Ointments. Uh, no. No. Okay. Okay. He didn't say well, topical. No. All right. Well, thanks everyone uh, for joining us. Uh, like I said, we record Wednesdays normally, 10 p.m. Eastern, uh, 2 a.m. UTC. Uh, we're glad you could join us. Make sure you head over to pcpro.com slash subscribe if you want to make sure you don't miss a show. Uh, you'll find the edited version of the shows available uh, usually the morning after we record at YouTube and then through iTunes or uh, Spotify, Google Play, all the places you can find a podcast, we're there. Or you can go over to pcpro.com slash podcast where we have all the episodes and show notes listed there. So the show notes for all the links of the stories we talked about and the picks of the week and anything else, anything else relevant that came up. But uh, thank you so much for joining us as always. We hope everyone has a great week and we'll see you next time. <laughs>